0: Robin interviews Bad Wolves guitarist Doc Coyle. Wendy and Mary are both right about Sophie's choice, except when Sophie's choice is actually Hobson's choice. All this and more on The Let's Game!
1: is the Leftscape, the shape of progressive
0: conversation
1: and I'm Mary welcome to our latest podcast
2: episode
0: hi I'm Robin Renee hi I'm Wendy Sheridan and on this day it is United Nations Day and it is World Development Information Day National Food Day and also National Bologna Day because is bologna not a food I, I don't know Um, It's the Meet the Clown (laughs) Spring National Character Count Week And I'm not sure what the heck that is Um, Business Women's Week Chemistry Week Forest Products Week Friends of Libraries Week Nuclear Science Week Save for Retirement Week So we have to save for retirement this week only Oh, that I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I can. I hope I can this week. Um, teen drivers safety week, massage therapy week, and red mm. ribbon week. Which I don't know what red ribbon, red ribbon. There's a tongue twister for you. Uh, red ribbon <laughs> week.
1: On this day in history, in 1945, the United Nations was founded, and also in 1964. Zambian Independence Day happened. Let's see, well they got their independence anyway. Let's see, in 1929 it was Black Thursday, that was the start of the market, uh, stock market crash. And the Dow Jones went down 12.8%, but that doesn't seem so bad now, but I guess worse things came after that. I don't know, Um, people
0: were freaking out at a 3% drop this past week, so 12% is huge.
1: Oh, okay. I just—it seems to me that that has happened again. Oh, it, it has. Also, <laughs> in 1926, this was the last performance of Harry Houdini, the magician, which I I uh, think is interesting. Um, is did he die they, in that one, or or? According to the movie, he died in, during the performance, but I'm not really sure if that's true. Mm. Um, you know how movie movies yes. always do that. But I used to know. I don't know why I don't know. And in in another lifetime, I did magic. I was a magician's assistant. And oh. my favorite trick was a Harry Houdini trick called the metamorphosis. And um, that always worked really well.
0: I can so. totally see you as a magician's assistant in that little sparkly leotard with tails and a hat.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No,
0: more often I was
1: dressed up as a witch. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: uh, yeah, How prescient.
1: (laughs) Yeah, with a a very big hat that actually squished down so that I'd be in very tiny things and pop out. And people would say, how could she be in that box with that big hat?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Whose
1: birthday is it today?
2: So, yeah, we have some birthdays today. It is the Big Bopper's birthday, who unfortunately passed on... The Day the Music Died. Um, we've got Kevin Klein, B.D. E. Wong, F. Murray Abraham, Bob Kane, who created Batman, very cool. Um, Al Feldstein and Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones, of course, Drake, and Denise Levertov, who was a great poet and anti-war activist.
1: I gotta ask you all though, what is your favorite movie that Kevin Klein did?
0: There's too many to name. Uh, <laughs> really yes did he make many movie movies no I, there's too many there's i don't have a favorite i i love listening to him do uh mr fish odor on bob's burgers uh that, which is <laughs> what he's like doing currently um and uh, uh what's I, your I have favorite to say fish call wanda okay that's a good I'm one like right that yeah I don't know that that's my favorite of his, but I mean, I, you know, I, <laughs> I liked him in Pirates of Penzance. I liked him in in and out um, You know, <laughs> it's, I think mm. he, he was also, yeah, wasn't, I liked him all wasn't he also in Life as a House? Wasn't he the dad? Or am I confusing? Yeah. Okay.
1: He was in uh, uh, Dave. That was good. He was, yeah, that was good too.
0: Yeah, I'd rather have him anyway, be president now. Sophie's Choice. Was he in Sophie's Choice?
1: Yeah, he was one of the
0: choices. I thought Sophie's oh. Choice was she had to choose between her two kids. Oh, I'm Must thinking of go- something two, else. Two men. I'm thinking about a completely different movie. Never mind. With yeah. Meryl Streep and yeah. Nazis. Um, now, I remember the old, old Sophie's Choice with uh, Prunella, with is it Prunella Scales, the woman from, from uh <sighs> from Faulty Towers? When oh. She was yeah. very young. This is like from the 1930s. There was a, a production that I watched. She's not that old. Oh, she was like from a the 30s? She a, yeah, she was a child in that. Well, I mean, Faulty Towers was the seventies. Late seventies. Yeah, so thirties, so just that's
1: 40 30, years. 40, 50. So it's like
0: she was how old in the
1: 30s and then i don't how know old well, maybe it was 70s. the
0: 40s then it was it's an yeah. old black and white movie that is you know looks like an old movie like contemporary Marks with probably. the marx brothers so you know mm. um it's hard to tell when you're looking at old movies with old british actors you don't know who anyone is so <laughs> there was a boom in in british filmmaking in the 50s okay
1: like right, at, right after the war Hey, I'm going to talk about the news of the week because, first of all, I didn't want to talk about the news of the week for the past (laughs) couple weeks. I felt like just throwing up every time I thought about what was going on in this country. I felt like throwing up. And then, like, it really hit me, this whole thing uh, that everybody has forgotten. It's only been a week since The New York Times came out with this let's uh, a week from our recording date the new york times came out with this article 40 page article of research on on trump and his finances and how he's been ducking paying taxes for decades and his he and his father cheating for estate taxes and everything and and all this money laundering and the the statute of limitations has gone past so people just say oh okay well we can't convict him of that and then everybody's forgotten about it
0: nothing was done about it well, and, and if the, the statute whole, of limitations is over what can they do well they can do something we can still talk about it we can still
1: ask ask trump hey uh, you've you've um You marketed yourself saying that you're this great businessman and here's the records that show that you failed as a businessman over and over and over and your father had to bail you out. And he didn't just give you a million dollars. He gave you hundreds of million dollars. So and the whole thing that what it boils down to is we've forgotten it because Kanye West came to the White House. And, and talked on and on and made no sense and everybody's going, huh everybody's distracted by the shiny object of Kanye West and that that just drove me crazy. <laughs> that, that's driving me crazy. I want some finality and, and uh, journalists be murdered in, in uh, Saudi Arabian journalists murdered in uh, Turkey that just the, uh, the embassy that yeah, just. That just happened. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's not. I think I think people really are suffering from the the overkill. It's just like a, yeah. a fire hose of news. And it's, I mean, we know it, but then people are just react, reacting to the most recent thing because that's kind of where they can catch hold, you know. But I agree that I do think Trump is very good at deflecting. So he does choose when he does certain things, you know.
1: Yeah, that that was all a put-up job. Let's invite Kanye West to the White House so that nobody will talk about this other thing,
0: and and everybody falls for it. Well, I don't know that every. I, I don't know who you mean by everybody. I mean, are you talking just about oh. the news media? Because <laughs> you know that's really, I guess, what's you know what you're you're watching. I guess on TV. Um, because I have really not seen people i don't pay attention to kanye west i don't care what he does or who he's married to or anything that's going on in his life or his family i have i don't even think i've even heard any of his music um the only thing i know about well, kanye
2: you check out. He is a great musician but. there's a there's yeah. a
0: patch there's a patch on my on my vocal thing that says kanye on it that's all <laughs> i know and it's it's a very auto-tuned that's that's all i know about it so I mean and maybe he is a great musician but i have no interest in supporting his insanity so um so i i learn about these things through my friends commenting and posting on social media so yeah and i and i'm and i you know and and robin posted um this devo painting that i thought was really cool <laughs> It's Kanye oh, yeah. Kanye wearing an energy dome, and I'm assuming it's instead of a MAGA hat. Is that right? Yeah,
2: one of his quotes was when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. And I, so,
0: and he was talking so about was, the they, MAGA hat. Ref, I can yes, believe yes, so, that, yes he the said rem- that to the president.
2: Yeah, yeah. So they replaced oh. the MAGA hat with the energy dome, and it has the lyric <laughs> of choice on it so it's it's an interesting uh, it's a piece by Scott Stanton um it was a long time Devo fan and I didn't I this was the first I know I saw this type of art from him so it's um I I, I liked it it sort of talks about the really weird place we're in right now you know and, yeah. and the <laughs> comment was devolution is real which is what Devo always says and it's, it feels more, more true in a lot of ways you know Oh. Um, <laughs> So I thought it was so a good did, piece. Oh, Somebody, oh,
1: well, wait a, wait a second. got to ask you. So do you think that that's what this means, that, that that's what Devo means, that we de-evolve into a Trump era? Uh,
2: I would say that the de-evolution into the Trump era is very consistent with the philosophy of Devo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh
0: yeah. that makes me sad. Why yeah, they, they were mean, warning they, us? They've been warning us for 20 years. Oh, <laughs> I thought to say 30 it years how, how many years? 40 now? I mean, I. Yes. Is it 40?
2: Well, it is. But so, oh my so god! So you're saying
0: you see this is my other problem. <laughs> I don't know how. I, I it's like time is very weird because I yeah. cannot believe it's 40 years.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is strange. But I also wanted to say we did. We got a comment. I posted. Um, this on Facebook, as Wendy said, and someone said, you know, is it kind to make fun of people with mental illness? And that was not my intention at all. I mean, I, I Kanye was diagnosed bipolar, so I can understand that some of what fuels what he says, you know, comes out of that, I, I, I'm sure. But th- that is actually separate from the fact that the, the, the celebrity might be being used in order to, you know, yeah. di- deflect us from, well, Other that's, yeah.
0: yeah, that's totally yeah, yeah, what's going yeah. on.
1: Is it kind to use a, a person with mental illness as a distraction from your political agenda?
2: Right, exactly. So anyway, yeah, it's a, you know, so the art piece, I think, speaks to the whole, um, you know, soup of things that are going on. You know, I didn't take it as like, oh, ha, let's make fun of someone who's ill, but I think it's but, but it's a weird situation. Yeah. The whole scene was weird, and it's too. Yeah, I think it but
1: acknowledges what, what that. What I gotta say is, I have to say, for Wendy too, is it's not about Kanye
0: West. It's about Trump. Well, what everything is about. I mean, his he need he, what he needs is to go into that that box in from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that shows you just how important you really are in the universe. Oh yeah, he needs <laughs> that. He needs to be in there. Yeah, that. One. <laughs>
1: yeah that sounds like a good idea
0: (laughs) but I you know but I I just thought that that bringing Devo into this whole circus because I don't know what else to call this um, (laughs) I thought it was really interesting Um, and, and I guess my other question is is the the quote on the top of the energy dome which says freedom of choice is what you got freedom from choice is what you want is that mm-hmm. is that a lyric from Devo or is that something that has nothing to do with either Devo or Kanye?
2: That is a lyric from Devo, the Freedom of Choice album came out in 1980 and that was that's the album with the big hit Whip It on it. Okay. But the the song Freedom of Choice that's um that's what it says and it's it's a really I just find that a really powerful line, you know, yeah. that we say we want one thing, but a lot of behavior that we have in American culture really kind of points to something else. So. No, I
0: think this painting is really deep. Uh, yeah. And, and then, mm. you know, when somebody looks at it superficially and, and thinks that, that it's mocking someone because they're mentally ill or something, I think, I think they're missing the point
1: because
0: mm-hmm. this is, yeah. a, it's, it's making a pretty powerful political statement and I, I dig it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I like it a lot, too. So in other news, speaking of Devo, um, the nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have been announced and they are among the list this year, which is the first time they've been eligible, I believe, for 15 years. And wow. This is the first time they've made it. So that's really cool. And I can read the list super quickly.
0: Well, I have a question before you read the yes. list, because because I look through the list because somebody else has been posting because their favorite band is on there now, and they're looking for votes. Is this a popular vote thing, or is there like some panel of gods of rock and roll that decide who goes in?
2: Uh, I think it's kind of both. I think there are, there are panels of gods of rock and roll that <laughs> that do vote, and they're compiling a um, fan ballot as well. Okay. So you people can vote, I believe, every day until...
0: Aye. All right, uh, it's one of those things.
2: Something, yeah. Okay. So fans can all can vote. And um, the top five, I believe, will be wind up on a fan ballot. So, you know. So uh, it's so read uh, the a list, combination, read the list. combination a... of the votes. So we've got Def Leppard, Devo, Janet Jackson, John Prine, Craftwork, LL Cool J, MC5, Radiohead, Rage Against the Machine, Roxy Music, Rufus featuring Chaka Khan, Stevie Nicks, the Cure, The Zombies, and Todd Rungren. And I think there's quite a few that are very deserving on there. I know,
0: yeah. I can't Todd, pick Todd one. Rundgren. I can't it's, pick one out of that list.
2: I can't pick one either, and I and I obviously want to, you know, that D.Va is one of my absolute favorites. I want to push for them, but I see at least a couple that I absolutely would like yeah, to see. I would but, see
0: like half that list if they got on, I would not be upset. The other half, I would be a little upset because the other half didn't get in. Oh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So who knows? And they say that, you know, the first time nominees don't often get it, but. We could get lucky. We'll see.
0: Yeah. My other friend, my other friend is a, is a huge Todd fan and she's been, she's been promoting him and voting, you know, whatever. she wants everybody to vote for him. And I'm looking through the list and I'm going, well, yeah, but Devo, Shaka Khan. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to do.
2: <laughs> exactly. So, you know, make sure you vote on November 6th, but also if you,
0: if you, want to vote for this,
2: you can always go to rockhall.com slash fan vote. And, uh,
0: Vote for Devo now. Sorry, <laughs> no, practice no, voting. Let's, let's
2: see in there. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's this is this is a vote that's I guess kind of important in some way, but it does it pales in comparison to November sixth. Though, so please, yes. you know that's the important vote. If you're gonna, if you're only gonna vote about one thing, go vote in the midterms i agree
1: (laughs) by by the time this airs it's it'll be too late for people to register to vote won't it uh yes let's remind people to vote and let's hope that in your state that people are not uh, keeping people from voting too because that's pretty bad
0: hi uh if you've been listening to our show for the last 21 episodes which is this is episode 21 so our show is old enough to drink now um and and uh we would really appreciate if you could give us reviews especially on itunes because that way it helps other people see us and find us and if you're around on Facebook, like our Facebook page, uh, and give us a review there too. Um, that would be really awesome and really appreciate it. And we appreciate you guys listening to us every week. Um, cause yes, we love you. Yeah. Why are we doing this if you're not listening? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I am very happy to present an interview that I did with Doc Coyle uh, a while back. Um, he is a great musician, guitarist. He plays in the band Bad Wolves, and they've got uh, a pretty big hit out right now. So it's it's very I'm very very lucky that I got to speak with him before he went out on his big, big European tour.
0: I'm I'm always I'm always amazed that you know all of these cool people because i i had i didn't hear i i'm really very bad at keeping up with uh music trends but now that i go to the gym every week or three times you know whenever i go to the gym and i saw the bad wolves video at the gym and i said oh i really like this tune and it's it's like exactly the kind of music that uh my husband plays in his cover band and i was trying to say why don't you play this song by them and it's like So the fact that you know somebody in that band is like blowing my mind. Oh,
2: wow. (laughs) Well, actually, I I heard it at the
0: gym, too, and I said, now I know they're famous.
2: Well, I was very close with his dad, Kevin Coyle, in the early 90s. Kevin is a uh, piano player and teacher, and he's toured with various bands, including including the Coasters and some other people from back in the day. And um, so, yeah, I knew Doc and his brother Dallas when they were pretty young. They, um, They went on to play in a band called God Forbid which sort of launched, you know, all the things that they've done since then. But we just kind of used to hang out in New Brunswick, and I, they're just good family, they're a family to me, you know. So it's, it's awesome. kind That's of an awesome. amazing journey to see this happen. I'm very excited.
1: Well, I, I'm really, I can't wait to hear the interview.
3: So I am speaking with Doc Coyle. He is the guitarist for Vegas Nerve and Bad Wolves and also the host of the X-Man podcast and um, maybe I'll have him give the elevator speech about what X-Men is about. I really like the podcast a lot. And basically, we are family from way back, so it is really awesome to talk to you, Doc.
4: Well, it's uh, nice to speak to you you as well, and I I consider you family as well. Cool, thanks.
3: So tell me a little just about the the X-Men podcast. How do you describe it in a few words? I really like it.
4: Uh, I guess the best way to describe it it's a it's a career retrospective show where the uh I guess some people didn't get the kind of double entendre there is that obviously it's a play on the comic book the X Men.
3: The X Men, um, right? I quit, it, I,
4: I quit it, you know, just because I thought it was catchy, and you know, essentially, I w- I was in a band called God forbid for literally half my life, you know, um, you know, and I quit the band in 2013, and for so long, it's difficult not to um, kind of identify uh, with the present by what you used to be doing because it, it, it casts such a large shadow um, and dealing with that transition out of de- you know, defining yourself as being this guy from this band and that does these series of, of things that kind of, you know, it's basically how I made a name for myself and all of a sudden that's gone and kind of going through all the I guess the um the the degrees of uh, loss you know when you and I imagine that happens to anyone who leaves a particular career or job or moves or just you know, kind of you know or loses a a loved one or something like that um so I started writing a lot about what I was going through and being very honest and candid, and a lot of people seem to identify with that, but that honesty and kind of the difficulty of being uh late twenties, early thirties, mid thirties, and really trying to survive in the mm-hmm. music world and having just all these awkward feelings, you know, about what's acceptable and what does growing up mean and what is um you know what like you know, I think there's so many you know, this is one of the reasons why I think I moved from New Jersey is that there's a lot of conventions that come with more traditional environments um that I think stifle people and put a lot of shame on just kind of doing your own thing and not following a traditional path. So anyway, so I started writing about a lot of stuff, got a lot of great feedback, and I thought that would make a great theme for a podcast to actually make that kind of the, the, the telling people stories who have left band situations or, uh, or even people that were involved on the industry side. Like I've had managers and booking agents and publicists and kinda of, and then I kinda of realized that that X Men or X woman um kind of paradigm is is pretty relevant because even if you're I found that even the inverse of someone who let's say uh, someone who was like me who was in a band for a long time but didn't leave and they stayed with the band, what keeps them around, you know, what keeps them going. So it's that like uh all those stories are really are really fascinating and kind of so it's really just a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so so I kind of told you the, the the short version, which is it's a career retrospective show, and the long
3: version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very great. Thank you so much. And you have a platinum song out. I love Zombie. Um, I heard it at the gym the other day, and I realized like this is a pervasive, enduring recording. Now you know it's just kind of everywhere, and I thought that was yeah, it was just kind of amazing. <laughs> Um, so I'm just curious, like, where are you, are you in riding that wave of the song being so big and the band expanding and you're about to go on tour? And How are you feeling? How has that
4: happening? You know, it, it, it's, been a, it's been a mixed bag. I think there was the initial, hey, this thing. And it was really a rocket ship. I mean, from the day it was released, literally. It was the impact was immediate and meteoric. And, um, and you just, because the truth is, you know, I come from an underground heavy metal hardcore scene background, which is very modest, and it's very much disconnected from the mainstream commercial world of music, from, from the right. real it's music. it's very
3: business. DIY, right? It's kind of gritty, and you're just doing your own thing. And, yes. was and, uh, yeah, like a we, street print you know, and not being famous in a lot of ways, you know.
4: Well, no, I, I. Well, it's not that. It's just that we weren't. We didn't have enough foresight or ambition to ever think about ever making money from mm-hmm. doing this style of music. We just that's what we liked, so that's what we did. And you didn't mm-hmm. think so far down the road, or just it was. It was um. Before, in, in many ways, God forbid, we were part of a group of bands that broke down a lot of doors for eat for bands to actually even be able to have a career in this in the style that we were doing. You know, it was. <laughs> it was fairly new, but then if you even remove yourself from that, and you go back, you know, to the 70s and 80s, and people, you know, became musicians because they could become a millionaire, or they could make, like, it was a place to go to, to kind of live out all these dreams, and I, and I think my whole perception of that, that that was something that just was of yesteryear, and it's so difficult now, unless you're a rapper or a DJ, to really have those kind of aspirations, so I kind of, like, I never really thought about things in that term it seemed so un- unrealistic and you know I joined this you know I moved out to LA 2014 really to give music another shot and I felt like I was kind of past my prime I was 33 years old which isn't old but it's for for rock and roll it's a little to get be getting started in a new place you know and kind of looking for new opportunities because as you know it's a very image driven Business, you know, it's like not just what you sound like, but what you look like, and what your style is, and how many tattoos you will have, and how you dress, and so right. I was, you know, very kind of kind of self conscious about this, about you know, and you know, it's in in truth, like you just won't get a gig, you know, especially like you being a musician and being a female, you, you probably felt some of that pressure on 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 that end of needing to look this way and be this age and it's ageist and it's sexist and it's all these things, right? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm so so I c so I kinda came out here and just just kind of just to because I just I you know thing in the back of my head I was like, I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm good enough to keep doing this. But I didn't really know. I didn't know how that would go. So I basically um came out here and just started playing with people. And I kinda evolved, you know, my my thought process about what I wanted to do as a career and how I could where it could go and and you know, and, and kind of me joining this band kind of coincided with a lot of things falling into the right place at, at, at the right time and, and really the collection of talent in the band because we're all guys that have been doing this for a long time and have had lots of ups and downs. And I think we kind of put all of that into this band. I mean, even me and the singer tried to form a band in like 2010, 2011 that had some a lot of the same ambitions as this band. Um, and then, you know, really that song, it's like we like I, I literally literally I could show you emails of of us sending the album to like our manager and like the label, and before you know before it was really done well, ultimately, and at the time it was like well we know zombies a hit but what else do you have you know what I'm saying like so it was always like this kind of it was kind of this ace in the hole, um that the band knew it had something really really strong and that it would it would create some potential but it was about for us, we had to kind of create a little more balance on the record, and, you know, that was before, you know, uh, the song Hear Me Now, which is our current single, was was there something that already existed, but we had to kind of massage it and get it to the, the place it would eventually be, and then uh, Hear Me Now or uh, Remember When, which is going to be the next single, was something that, that came to be, like, later in the process. So it was uh, it was this thing that we, we kind of knew, and, like, because basically it comes from the world I come from, you don't know if it's going to be really heavy or if you're going to try and, because there's always this thing of of fear of being seen as being too kind of commercially motivated or watering down your music, you know, to right. sell out, quote, unquote. Um, but there's a lot of fears coming from the metal world because we, see, I've seen a million bands who, because of their ambition, they've kind of ruined their credibility or, or lost all their current fans because they were trying to get new fans. So there's, I think there's a little bit of that always playing in the back of our head. But essentially this, you know, uh, everything happened where, Ah, uh, Dolores was supposed to sing on the song. She passed away, and um, we became part of the story of her of her passing. And it, yeah. and you know, and, and we put the you know, and part of the the attitude about putting the song out was that we donate the money to the family and try and make something positive. And you know, it's um, how I felt about it is well, one at the beginning, especially when it was getting so much attention, was conflicted feelings. You know, just like. Am I supposed to be happy? Am I supposed to? You know what I'm saying? Like it's
3: it's a weird situation, right? Because I mean, it was it was a sudden thing that she passed. It was such a shock, really, and um, it was really amazing that there was this tribute, this like perfect tribute, just sort of waiting to happen. And it was, and, you know, it was a strange, strange course of events. You know, I I felt the same way about that. You know? Yeah,
4: but there's this, but this there's conflicting in, in it for me personally in being that. Being happy that you're having some attention or some success or these things happening, but then it's also people wouldn't have been paying attention to the degree that they would have if her memory and her legacy wasn't so like on the tip of everyone's tongue. So it had this. It it was it was very bittersweet. I think out on the outset, but then also, but then I think once it really started to pick up steam, and then we saw it climbing up iTunes chart, like the actual, like, because like, at first, because I think it came out on a Friday and I think by the following Tuesday, it was the number one rock song on iTunes because uh, Howard Stern played it and it just and that really helped it. And then within, I think a week or two, it, you know, maybe another, it was the number one song on all of iTunes. And we're the first metal man ever do that. And so when you kind of start when things like that start happening, and it was it was literally the number one Spotify uh, viral song in the world, you know, at a at a certain at a certain point when you start doing things like that, then you're like okay, then you're just kind of you just get wrapped up in it, and it's like this is so crazy, you know. And then yeah. there was kind of and you know, and then there was kind of other things that I really can't talk about behind the scenes where, you know, there's just. Once something like that happens and you have a hit, it changes the gravity of everything that you're doing. You know, and this little band you have kind of becomes, you know, you become a priority to label, Mm -hmm. to management, and all of a sudden, you know, it kind of fast-tracked a lot of things, but it created a lot of pressure. So, like, me and uh, my singer had to go do, you know, right when everything was happening, before the touring started, me and him went to Europe, Canada doing like, press and acoustic performances on television um, for, uh, you know, all kinds of media and radio and just stuff I'd never done before, and we were not very well prepared, mm-hmm. um, and um, and it was scary, like, really, like, hey, <laughs> this is the biggest radio station in Germany, uh, play live when you haven't rehearsed that much and you're not... Like, really... one, two,
3: three, go. <laughs> you're on right? <laughs>
4: yeah. So, it was, you know, we really got thrown to the wolves, okay. but that, you know, and I was, you know, basically had, you know, X amount of anxiety for, for for a while. Like, it literally wasn't until the end of it that I started to kind of just chill out and kind of just, like, just enjoy it and kind of be it. But it's just, it was a, it was a completely different whirlwind, and I was really looking forward to, like, playing, like, real shows because... When you're playing with a full band and it's loud and there's people there and it, 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 you can kind of hide a little bit, I think. Whereas mm. doing that, all that other stuff, it's very vulnerable. And, um, you know, it's, I think that's the reason why guys like me play metal is because you all your kind of, um, you know, uh, frailties, you get to, are masked by, by this power of the... You know what I'm saying? Like, it, you can really... You can be like a shrinking violet on your day off, but when you put that guitar on and you have this, it it really empowers you, you know. And uh, yeah. and playing acoustic and kind of being involved, it does it's the literal opposite side of the brain, and it's, and it's it's a lot more scary. But it's I but I'm so happy to get get that experience because I you know I think nine times out of ten if something scares you, you should probably do it. The reason I think why it's scary, so.
3: it's a scary so idea, I, but I think you're right. Yeah.
4: Definitely. Yeah, but I had to, but pushing through that and kind of like all right, can you know really asking myself like can I do this? Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Um, you know that was a, a fairly big challenge and um, and I feel like I I did very I feel like I did very well with that and um, but anyway so that was like that feeling and then it's just been then it's just been on the road and then that you kind of just see the day to day and like seeing the fans and seeing how it's going to react. And and it's been crazy just seeing all that stuff, like doing the big shows and doing the meet and greets and seeing the record sales and seeing all the you know, the, the song, you know, then the, you know, the song goes to number one radio and goes and So it's, it's just been, you just kind of get caught up in it. And then I think the other thing is just, it's also weird is just people just treat you differently. You know, like i Become a much more well-known person in a very short amount of time, and it's a little uh, disenchanting, you know. So it's been really good, but it's also it's also weird. I don't I don't think I think people tend to look at it in certain prism because they think, oh, your your dreams are coming true. And it's like, dude, I've been doing this a long time.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I've already
4: played, I've already played in front of a lot of people and met all the coolest people and opened for the biggest bands. So it's not, I'm not, you know, I'm definitely doing things I've never done, but it's not like I'm checking some boxes that I was like, I need to do this and now I'm doing it. It's more like, I just feel like this is like a bonus because I didn't think it it would, I would still be doing this stuff on this level,
3: you know. Mm -hmm. Question. So you, um, when you were in Dr. Vid, you did a, you were in a documentary called Electric Purgatory and that, really um, struck a chord for me very deeply. About it. it was about being a black person, black people and people of color in the rock industry and what um, that experience is like and just not quite having a place, you know, in a lot of ways. And I definitely experienced that when you were talking about how you, know, how you look and how you, your whole sort of package in, in music. I definitely had people just not know what to do with me Musically, mm-hmm. as as a black person, and all, a lot of that stuff. So, how do you think that has changed? Do you think um, you just kind of you just kind of break through, and then it doesn't matter anymore, or is there still an undercurrent of that um, not having a place in music, quite, or you know, make having to make your own space? I guess
4: it's a big theme. That's a big theme with uh, <clears throat> my podcast and my writing is kind of examining. Identity, um, kind of unpacking expectations about uh, Black culture in America, because I think there's a lot of toxic elements from the from an internal standpoint in terms of expectations of this is Black, this is white, um, and understanding that you know it's like I had Tosin Abasi on my show, who was a um, who was a very famous. Uh, virtuoso, black guitar player, and you know, a guy that really is, is making inroads, and and he's 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 the type of guy that he inspires people to pick up an instrument and and changes the game. Um, <clears throat> you know, we and we talked a lot about these issues, and I've talked, about, you know, and that it's important to me to have people of color on the show because it matters. It matters in that I know for a fact that my old band, God forbid, being a majority black band. Um, impacted young people and made, you know, and made it okay for them or inspired them. So, you know, I can do that. They did that. I can, I can do that. So all this stuff really, really matters. Um, and so it's important for me to kind of, you know, I, I think the one thing, the best part of that legacy is that God forbid really stuck out because of that. Um, and then, but I think subsequently you can have black people in a band or multiple black people in a in a, in a metal band or a rock band and it's not as much of a story now Mm -hmm. it's not you know and i think that's kind of the thing where it was like oh it's that's a black band whereas now it's just it's just a band and i I don't think it it, and you know it's like it's kind of this thing like because people because back when god forbid came out that was like they wrote a bio for us and that was like kind of a main point they talked a lot about was was the race of the band and party was like well is that should that matter Right, like, should it be about the music? Um, but you know, it's it's just it's, I kind of always explain. Like, listen, at least we we had an angle. I think it's hard to get that because then you have that element <laughs> of, of you just want to be another band, you know, but band with a bunch of white dudes with long hair. That's not exactly a story. So I was, you know, I think your your wish to stand out or just be, uh have some kind of, of thing you know, uh, I think kind of outweighs that. But I think ultimately it, you've wanted to not be be an issue. Um, but, but I think it's definitely come forward a long way. And, um, you know, and I, and, I, and, I, and I think, you know, hopefully, you know, we should, you know, I think like music, sports, some of these, these areas where um, black people have historically done very well in America, it's because mm-hmm. they're meritocracies. Right? It's just, you know, uh, a lot of these people broke down walls because they were just the best person for the job and you couldn't use their race as a determining factor as why you wouldn't want them involved in something. So it's this, this thing where, you know, we've done well in these, in, in, in these areas and so it's, we're always going to be a part of that to, to a certain degree. I think the, the, the place where I feel like we, where we haven't necessarily moved quite as forward is I think within the black community itself. Being a bit more inclusive, and not, I think even a term like the culture, which is essentially saying hip hop culture is black culture, and if you're not part of that, then you're not really part of the culture. You know, mm. which is like we're, we're we're going to extend that beyond, you know, to be all encompassing, and and dis- disallowing for for more di- diversity. And this is this is kind of the I'd say the kind of you know what people call the progressive left. I, would, I wouldn't necessarily call uh, hip hop left, but it's certainly culturally in the in the in the cultural left. And it's this I think this this kind of horseshoe mentality of we're going so far in the other direction that we're we're becoming less tolerant. Like I remember, like I watched this show. What was it? Dear White People. Have you seen this yeah. on Netflix?
3: I haven't watched and, it, but I I certainly I know about it for sure. All right, Absolutely. so I watched the
4: film. The film I liked, are white people. The show I did not like uh, because one of the main points is they have this kind of, uh, you know, quote-unquote woke uh, protagonist. I believe really she's, she's biracial, but mm-hmm. she's dating a white guy in college, and it's like a controversial sticking point that because she's so pro-black or pro kind of in that mentality that that's, like, if that's a controversy, then we've, we've lost ground from a progressive yeah. standpoint. You Absolutely. Know? And so these are kind of, and, and that's what these are, I would call regressive, not, not, not progressive. But this is also, unfortunately, you have young people now who, you know, I think every generation wants their revolution. They want their fight.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: no matter what, the you know, and this is almost like the downside of, of actually making progress is you're all, it's like, well, clearly things must be terrible, and I have to have, it so it's like, so people, no matter what the level is, they're always going to say it's bad, and I think this is kind of a result of that, but it's, um I don't know, I hope that ain't going to go too, you know, off, off topic with that.
3: That's it, that's really right on, I mean, I think that um, I've had a lot of concerns about. There's so there are really really great strides that are being made, but there's also a, a real sort of um, strident attitude in some circles on the left that really are saying, you know, this is the way to be progressive and woke and and doing this or that or, or not or saying this word is absolutely gets you kicked out of everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that, um, so I, I hear that, you know, that there's, there we need to, I want to make room for all of us I- as much as we can, you know. Um, well,
4: I, 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 I but, the, but the thing is, I, I think it's important to remember what liberal values actually are. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's actually forgetting that this is, you know, and this, you know, it's, this is not unique from, from my standpoint um, in terms of making an argument, but it's, this is the idea of, you know that we become so restrictive over things like language and things that now the left is pro uh, censorship, whereas if you were to go back to the '60s and you have people like George Carlin and Lenny Bruce, who were the liberals of their day, were fighting to stop censorship and things and things like that. So it's you know it's just you know it's a very quizzical kind of murky I think period we're in where uh, words are losing their their meaning. And it's everything is filled with hyperbole, you know, where it's it's, uh, everything's ramped up, you know.
3: (laughs) It's a strange, strange time, definitely. So, what do you think um, about the role of an artist when it comes to speaking out or not about political issues? And has that been changing for you as you've gotten more well known? Do you feel like you have to pull back, or is it a platform to, to speak louder?
4: Well, to me, it's about a brand, you know. And when I say a brand, I don't—I don't mean that necessarily in the, in the business side, but it's like—is that your—is that part of is the message? Like, 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 if you really think about it, you know, part of the uh, forward trajectory of, say, black artists that we're trying to cross over, right? So, if we're talking uh, Rick James, Prince, Michael Jackson, like in the in the early '80s, late '70s. Trying to mm-hmm. make inroads in a in a white dominated pop world, they did not have the benefit of being able to bring their politics with them. Part of their brand was it being apolitical because they couldn't. It wasn't in their um, you know kind of their package to present that they were making pop music. So, and the body of pop right. music is to cast the, the biggest net, and part of that is is what's going on, and and, and some of that is also. Reflection of the time, right? So the mm-hmm. '80s being a a a kind of a, a, a um, reaction to the '70s, which was what? Which was Vietnam, which was um, post kind of hippie, like oh, you know, 1968 happened, the war happened, did it? Did any of it work? It's this, you know, it was a really kind of depressing time. You had, you know, the stagflation, bad economy under under Jimmy Carter and everyone kinda gets sick of that, right? So if you look at popular music, it was very apolitical. So in virtual about yeah. <laughs> yeah fun, right? It's let's forget about all our all of our problems. And then that reverse in the nineties with kind of the the Pearl Jams and the, you know, those you know band you know, I remember watching Pro Jam Unplugged and uh, Eddie Vedder like wrote he got got on this 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 uh, uh, chair and like wrote stuff about you know um, abortion rights on his arm you know mm. and you think you know raising its machine comes in and REM you know this kind of more uh, college kind of oriented you know which is more like an intellectual you know postmodern. <laughs> um, Kind of you know even even bringing in more open ideas of you know and and if you look back then MTV was very it was like rock the vote and they had you know um, one of the first places to show you know openly gay people like Pedro from um, from the real world and, oh my God, that's right. and things like that
3: <laughs> yeah no yep.
4: but that but those things were intertwined you know mm-hmm. culturally but everything kind of kind of re- react to that but I think it is it's about your brand you know so someone like it's but you know think about someone who was big in the 80s like Bruce Springsteen. I think Bruce Springsteen advocating for workers' rights is on brand because this is someone that writes about the plight of the working man. Mm-hmm. Every, every You know what I'm saying? So, this is, so it's really about where you're coming from. You know, Chuck D makes sense that he's going to have a stance politically. He will be him. political because
3: that? <laughs> that's who he is, absolutely. Yeah, yeah
4: or Henry Rollins. Right, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but 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 certain people, like uh, that was this Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle joke about uh after nine eleven he was watching Fox News and they had Ja Rule come on to give <laughs> you know and he's just like he's like why why are we looking for Ja Rule <laughs> after nine eleven <laughs> to give us wisdom <laughs> you know um where certain people or like they'll ask I remember um, Britney Spears got in a little trouble for. After you know, the, you know the Iraq war asked questions about George Bush, basically saying, "Well, I think we should support our president because that's not her place. Do you know what right. I'm saying like she doesn't It really should be a space if you're um, if you're informed, we don't want everyone like you know just everyone chiming in who doesn't do the homework and doesn't really know what's going on because in in, in some sense in certain people who aren't involved politically or not really in, engaged, we want them to shut up.
3: Because
4: <laughs> they, they have a lot of influence, so if they say right. the wrong thing or if they're they are speaking from a place of ignorance, they they can spread that ignorance fairly quickly. Kanye West being one of them, yeah, um, right? Where I don't know, you know, like you see where he starts spouting all these things, and then you know, like it was Ti. I had to say, was like, have you seen his policies? Like on this, on that, and he's like, no. That's like, well, then what are you doing? Right. You know, you're just <laughs> exactly. you're just going. You're just going with your gut, and you're also the most controversial thing you can do in today's popular culture is to be pro-Trump. It's like it's the equivalent of uh, Sinead O'Connor, you know, ripping up the Bible on see, like the, like that. Oh, the is, picture you know, of the
3: Pope. Yeah, yeah, that was you know that was because our our, time.
4: our mainstream uh, media is primarily you know, run in New York and L.A. and has a certain point of view that leans left and kind of, you know, there's an in-group, out-group. Out and that, that is true. You know, so, mm-hmm. hit, hit, you know, so, so a lot of those, his perspectives. is just, what can I do that's going against the grain? What can I do that's going to get people talking? And that's, you know, whether he believes it or not, I just think it, it feels very um, rebellious to do that. When everyone is kind of on this one side, you know, and that's and really, what do we expect artists who are who are um, geared that way to do,
3: right? Like right. If, you know, if, 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 if you think that it, the idea is to be noticed, then I guess it doesn't matter what you say if you're getting that reaction and getting the followers.
4: Yeah, and he, and he's always been like that. This is the guy that went on TV, live TV, and said, you know, George Bush doesn't care about black people. There's a guy who got on stage at, uh, during Taylor Swift's, you know, Taylor Swift, the, you know, the most likable woman in America and shot on her moment. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't care.
3: Right. <laughs> and he hasn't cared <laughs> for, for,
4: for, for, for a really long time. But I think for someone like myself, you know, because I've written a lot about politics, and I think one of my, the best elements I have is that I'm able to write with a perspective, with a bias, but in a way that people who even disagree with me can read me and still not hate me you know mm-hmm. like i i i i write with a lot of empathy for for uh every political persuasion and that doesn't and i and i hope that doesn't come across to me just being someone who um placates, um
3: and I, don't so. I don't think so i mean i think it's really okay helpful. to have i'm sorry i think it's okay to have um empathy and we need that i think that's what's missing right now you know um, and, yeah, and people well, think someone's wrong, but you have to understand that they're human, and I think that's what the core of empathy well, is. Well, well, I think I just, well, the
4: thing is, I, I have just a huge disdain for, for partisan thinking because it it's willful ignorance or just it's like cherry-pick. You basically cherry-pick the stuff that supports your argument, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I would say, like, some issues you know, I can, like, you know, like the the gun issue, for example, it's like, I can look at it and see where everyone's point makes sense from their perspective, but I just might think this one come from from, but unfortunately, policies don't, don't always work that way, right? Like, it's either this way or that way, right? Like, abortion, you either legal or not legal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, unfortunately, you have to have these really black and white uh, laws for an issue that's actually, where there's a lot of gray. And so, I might see both sides, and basically like 51% of my brain thinks this one t- is that much better, right? And some of the worst, uh, most difficult things to do is when you only have bad and worse options.
3: Mm-hmm. And a
4: lot of, I think, I think people who are very, very partisan and very, very much on an extreme viewpoint, you know, they, they look at things from an idealistic version of the way the world is Right? Because their from the way if it, they got their way, it would work out for people who are just like them, but doesn't right. have a lot of room for everyone else. you know, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we all have to share a town or a, a state or a country or, or a world for that, for that matter, And everyone's point of views are going to still be there. That's why I almost explained, like if Hillary Clinton would have won, there would have been all, you know, these motherfuckers would be mad. You think you know? It's like I know those people were crying in the streets. <laughs> I don't know. It would be
3: you know scary. I know. It,
4: yeah, like like someone is gonna walk home. Is gonna be really disappointed and angry and sad and whatever. No matter how it goes, like it wasn't. It wasn't gonna be. You know. Well, uh, I, I, I think I would have preferred streets. that
3: outcome for sure. But um, yeah, but no, I am I'm, without I'm, his problems. Absolutely.
4: I am. I am. I am with you, but it's, um, these things are reactionary mm-hmm. and there is, there is, I'm just saying there's, I try and look at things from their totality, which in many ways is, I think made me a little more disaffected where I feel like I can't really change anything and things have gotten so hyperbolic and so ramped up that it's like, I don't even want to be as invested as everyone because it seems draining and, um, and unhealthy. You know, it's like, it's like if you're like the, the environment toxic so instead of swimming through the sludge, I'm, I'm gonna be over here. I'm, y'all, y'all enjoy that. I'm gonna, and just kind of, I don't know. And then maybe that's and that's it's anti-activist, but um, I've never been an activist. So what kind of say?
3: <laughs> well, you're a thinker, and you and I think you're taking care of yourself, and that's an important thing that I think a lot of people have forgotten in this climate. You know? Um, well, yeah,
4: because they because it's you know the the kind of idea of. Being a culture warrior, I think people have you know it's not just a hobby anymore. You know, it, it's like a calling, you know, to to fight the culture on 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 both sides. Like people mm-hmm. are really invested in this shit um, in a in a way that I I find mostly counterproductive and, and mainly serves to kind of galvanize your your own bubble. You know, When you're like within our circle, we're just. We're, and this is why people, like, I never, like, you ever have this thing, like, before an election, if you watch, like, the Democrat side, they'll be like, ah, the blue wave is coming, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, they're like, man, that blue wave, man, we're going we're gonna to be fine, right? So everyone thinks, so, like, what benefit? how did it benefit you to think you're winning? Like, wouldn't you rather be skeptical about, like, I don't know, you know, hopefully we do well. I don't, I don't, it's that, like, kind of weird, because you're only listening to the other people, and they want to they feel better about it. They want reinsurance, and I think it's mm. super. It's a super odd way of like view, viewing these things because right now, where things are hyping up because the, the midterms are coming up, and it's about right. it's going to be a blood. You know, it's going to be a bloodbath. When I say a bloodbath, I don't mean one side's going to lose or, or win. I just mean everyone, It feels like every event now post Trump is like this stake. The stakes are so high. It's like I remember the, the tax bill passed, and people were like, "This is the end of our democracy as we know it." Like, is it? Is it the end? What does some rich? You gonna have a little more money? <laughs> I mean, like, come on! Like, the rich are gonna do well. And everyone else is just kind of gonna be basically where they were at. And like most things, the impact is not felt for like ten or fifteen years down the line. Things, but that's that's the problem with most policy is that it takes decades for this stuff to actually have an impact. You know, mm-hmm. we look like uh, Bill Clinton's. Uh, deregulation and three strikes laws and, and all these mandatory minimums—the real impacts we didn't realize for 20 years.
3: Yeah. You no know, all we I all we, know like we is. I feel like we will oh, have. I think we will have some impact if women's rights uh, deteriorate in the way that. We think it might. Um, that that can be scary, and that could be scary pretty immediately. I, you know, yeah. I, I mean, and I'm not saying but, but, I, I'm not entirely disagreeing with you. I think that some perspective is always um, an important thing, you know, and not always just hearing people in your own world. Um, but,
4: yeah, but, but 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 can we, but so I think I think can we talk about
3: that real, real quick? What's that? Can we t- can
4: we talk about that real quick in regards to women's rights? I mean, Republicans have slowly but surely been repealing uh, abortion rights around the country, county by county, state by state. In certain states, it's almost impossible to get an abortion. And they've been doing that slowly and methodically through controlling state legislatures, uh, getting governorships. And this is all on the ground. This is just political work. And the mm-hmm. problem, I think, with, with, with progress is that you know those on the left just tend to like oh Roe v Wade it's good we're good and if it does and as long as you're good and you're not into the nitty gritty the boring like this stuff like you know people just kind of kind of tune it out and it's like sometimes you know maybe you you know this is, and this is like when you have you had a freedom for so long you take it for granted and this mm-hmm. this um you know not just this generation but even the previous generation where you didn't have to fight for that right. Right, okay. like, like, like mm-hmm. in a way, in the seventies, how that was such a because you had basically between the advent of good contraception, the pill, um, uh, no fault divorces, and um, and you know abortion rights. I mean, those are big monumental victories for for women moving forward and having uh, sovereignty um, and right. ability to, to 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 move forward. And so they've had that. They've just lived with these things, not mm-hmm. understanding that people fought, fought tooth and nail for those for those for those things. So um, this is this. It's you know, and I think that works with a lot of freedoms. Like for example, you know, they've done polls that show that you know these younger generations don't even put that much um, value in living in, in a democracy. Like that number is going down and down and down. Uh, because they, you know, they never, you know, they weren't there for Nazi Germany, and they weren't there for the Cold War, and they don't really remember uh, when most of Eastern Europe was controlled by dictators. And now you've seen this uprising slowly but surely in Turkey. This guy's coming up. This guy in Philippines. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you know, you know, we kind of and they kind of take take for granted that you know, or even Russia. You know, Russia had a much more democratic platform and. Putin slowly but surely taking it apart, piece by piece by piece. The dude in China now he can be president for life. You know, you know. We think these things are static, but it's until they're threatened that people you know take up um, take it seriously.
3: Yeah, no, I think you're right, and and reminding people to really pay attention to what's happening day to day, and uh, I think that that makes a huge difference because yeah, a lot of things have changed a lot slower. I mean, similar to the totally you know, weird segue, but I mean, when you were talking about, you know, overnight success is not a real thing. Like, you've been doing this for years and years and years, you know, to get where you are musically, and I think a lot of things work that way. You know, there are pieces that come into place, you know, all along the way, Um, you know, and on the negative end of the world of things, too, as you were saying. So, that is... um, yeah, it's good to keep in mind. And so, for your political writing, where's the best place for people to go and check out what you've been talking about? Um, on oh, I know you have your own website. Uh, whether you know where, where should I send people who aren't familiar with
4: your writing? I think most of the political stuff I've done is actually on my website, uh dot net. And um, unfortunately, you know, it's I haven't written in a while. And it's uh, it's such a headspace thing. I think between doing the the band and also the podcast, it's just all that stuff is is so time consuming. But I I think writing is still probably my favorite format to really lay out um, detailed arguments and kind of explore things. I, I love the having an idea about something and then not knowing where I'm going with it and kind of like figuring it out as I go. Um, wow. I, I find that to be really, really liberating, and uh, yeah, I, I love thinking, you know, thinking deeply about about not even I'm insane important subjects. I write, I've written <laughs> pretty trivial pieces <laughs> about, you know, movie soundtracks and you know action movies, and you know, I can kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> get 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 into the real nitty gritty about just about anything. But yeah, that's I that's what
3: Right, I follow you on Twitter, so I know you have a lot of opinions about about things, especially uh pop culture stuff too and sports, I have no idea what you're talking about the music I have some idea yeah. <laughs> yeah it's
4: it's um yeah you know it can be i it's funny i i I took everything in my body not to uh uh tweet something about the Brett Kavanaugh thing because i you know I had some very definitive Thoughts about it, but I was like, I feel like no matter what you say, it's going to be kind of you're gonna it'll create some kind of battle, and it's just not worth it.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of the uh, internet battle. I I I want to work constructively with people who want to work with me, and that's kind of how I tend to roll with it. Well, well I, I quite
4: enjoy it. Like all you know, I you know I follow quite a bit of people on online that I don't necessarily agree with, and all. Retort, and then people will come back. You I love having civil conversations with people that disagree, even if they're not civil. Um, mm. You are kind of engaging in a you know good faith argument, which is is that's the hardest thing is to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. You know, that's something people don't do enough. They kind of presume if you're coming from a certain standpoint that you have. They kind of put a set of ideology that on you from their perspective, you know, you know, we're, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, I try not, I try not to do that and kind of argue people on the, on the, you know, and, and, and like I said, have positive discussions where, like I said, because nine, I not want to say nine times out of 10, 99 out of a hundred, you're not going to convince the other person. It's just about hearing where they're coming from, you know? Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, but that's a, a, a more rounded perspective. I think that's
4: helpful. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then a big portion of my, uh, music writing was on VH onecom and and all this stuff is still archived on there. So if you actually find any of my articles, there's a little decoy thing in the bottom. You click on that, all my articles will come up. Um, and then i a handful of quasi educational articles I wrote for uh, Creative Live blog, which I hope is out there. Creative Live, is it? yes. Yeah. Okay.
3: Cool. Very good.
4: Creative Nice, nice.
3: So what's up next for the band, I know you're you're Europe-bound very shortly. Yeah,
4: so we're doing about two and a half months of touring to end the year, so I leave uh, tomorrow, go to Europe for a month, home for a week, doing the U.S. for four weeks, and then Canada for two weeks. And we've already started, but we've already started writing material for the next record, and that work is going to continue into the new year, and hopefully we'll be, you know, be in the studio very, very well, I mean, technically we're already in the studio, but you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be like finishing up a new record first quarter. I think we're going to Australia in February, but yeah, it's really, I think, you know, it's really important for us to get to Europe and get to Canada because of how, how, how much success the singles had there. So, you know, just getting there in person is, is invaluable and making contact with people and, and, you know, the, you know, the, especially with, with rock music, it's, you know, the, the that experience of, of playing live and meeting people and the sweat and the lights and all, you know, and the, the intensity, like, that's, that's where I think you really make the, the long-term fan, so that, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's really exciting, so, yeah, I mean, but we're going to be in Canada in December, so hopefully I don't, I don't die, that's what I'm hoping
3: Canada in December. So my next question was going to be, are we going to see you for Christmas? Show? <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. Do you,
4: a Christmas do you know, show or a Christmas song?
3: Or no. Will, will we will we see you at, at Christmas time because I tend to see you at uh, that time. Oh, uh,
4: I think so, but I think we might um, come before Christmas because the flights are cheaper. Just do something before the actual holiday. Yeah. But um, okay. but that, has, that hasn't been completely locked down yet. But uh, I think you will see me, whether it's on Christmas or b- before Christmas.
3: Uh, I think we'll out. I feel bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Well, this was, this was really cool talking to you, Doc. And um, thank you for being on the Leftscape.
4: Um, no problem. Thank, will... you, thank you so much for having me.
0: So next week, uh, Halloween, October 31st falls on a Wednesday. Uh, That's a huge day for us in the pagan community, because that's also Samhain, kind of like the biggest holiday of the year. And we're going to talk about that. So tune in next week for our Samhain show.
2: Hello, this is Robin Renee. You can find me online at RobinRenee.com. And my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. So check it out and you can like me at facebook.com slash fan tweet at me at spirit rock sexy and follow me on Instagram at
0: Robin Renee music. I would love to hear from you. The Leftscape is sponsored by Harlequin and other fantasies, a meditative coloring book for grown-ups. over 30 original illustrations to color printed on 80 pound cover stock paper to avoid bleed through with alcohol based markers like Sharpie's. Spiral bound to lay flat when open. Printed on one side so you can frame your masterpiece without sacrificing another drawing. Subjects include animals, people, mandalas, steampunk, Celtic knotwork, and so much more. Use Leftscape at checkout to get free shipping. See the Leftscape website for details. Purchase Harlequin and other fantasies from wendycards.com. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Find us online at leftscape.com, on Twitter at lepscape, and on Facebook at Leftscape. The Lepscape, the shape of progressive conversation. New episodes every Wednesday.